Welcome to the PMPA Speaking of Precision podcast, featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler Miller and Miles Free. Hello, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA Speaking of Precision Monday with Miles podcast. Carly Kistler Miller has joined me today, and we're going to discuss starting a quality system from scratch. Welcome, Carly. Thank you, Miles. So I'm thinking of the shops I've walked through. Most of them have had labs already set up. So we're talking to the people who, they don't have anything in their shop right now in terms of quality. Well, they may not, but perhaps they're going to create a satellite operation. Okay. Perhaps they've got a new piece of equipment coming in. And while they have an existing program, this new capability may require additional you know, requirements or capabilities uh, in terms of quality management that their shop and shop culture hadn't handled before. Okay. So it's kind of like the strategic plan where you're starting at the very tippy top and what do you need it for, right? You've got to figure exactly, that out. Exactly. So in business, the very first question is, you know, do I really need to do this? Why do I want to do this? Our job as businessmen is to meet a customer's and demand. And women. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I sit correctly. <laughs> but our job is to serve our customer's demand. Mm-hmm. And so to just say, well, I want to have a quality system, if the customer doesn't need your quality system and the attendant costs, why would you do it? Sure. Oh, I should, but do you have to? Do you have to, right. So you really need to be reflective on this. What are the requirements? Because we want to deliver the requirements that deliver the most satisfaction to our customers. All right. Well, I've been around long enough to know there's a bunch of different systems, aren't they? So you have to, that's got to play a part into deciding what this is looking like. Absolutely. You know, FDA good manufacturing practices is a wonderful quality system, but it won't get you an appointment with a buyer at Ford. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) The quality system needs to match your market. It needs to match your customer's demands. So ISO 9001-2015, TS-16949, aerospace, AS9100, I mean, there's, there's a variety to choose from. What's your market? Okay, so that, that's number one. That helps identify your objective, your the, purpose. The standard, right. Okay, the standard. So right. then what do they, where do you go from there? I think you need, you need to communicate with your teammates, with your performers, with your employees, and really get a consensus on what is your company's commitment to quality. Why? Because if you're just doing this for window dressing, save the expense. Okay. (laughs) Save the expense. Save the pain of the customers later. Well, I did it because you told me. No, you should do it because there's a genuine need. There's a genuine desire to meet the commitments that that quality system is going to place on your entire team. And that's why we need everybody involved, not just the person at the top says, we're going to do this. That's good. We need to do this. But 
let's explain to everybody and get everybody's input as to why. So getting the team buy-in that will help it be more effective once it's up and running? That's the only way to make it effective okay. when it's up and running. Everything else is an illusion. Ah. It's an illusion, and the first outside audit, we'll see. <laughs> we'll break that illusion. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what's going on behind the, Go ma behind the magician's curtain. hat. Right. Okay. Right. So we've determined that our organization does have a commitment to quality. Our people want to deliver the best goods because they know their kids, their families, are going to be riding in that car, flying on that airplane, in the opposite lane from that dump truck with brakes that are going to work, right? Right. Right? So we've got that commitment. The next step, Carly, is to map our shop processes. That sounds like a big job. Or should it already be done? Well, hopefully it's already done, but I said shop, yeah. but I've also got administrative, I've got planning, I've got engineering, I've got document control, I've got customer service, I've got sales, i got, oh my, did I say purchasing, procurement, ERP? So <laughs> you're trying to find all the places where this could fail? All the places that have to perform for the quality to be delivered like we promised. Okay. Right? So let's map our processes. Okay, and so there's some steps we take. We call it advanced quality planning. Failure, you said failure analysis. We call it failure mode effects analysis, FMEA. Mm -hmm. And we get in really <laughs> fine detail there, sign risk priority numbers. Oh my oh my goodness, right? Okay. And then in in manufacturing in the quality world, we don't call manufacturing manufacturing. We call it product realization. <laughs> we realize the product in our manufacturing process. process. So where can the failures occur? And then how can we make the processes mm -hmm. that do all these things, how can we make those processes more robust? I didn't say anything about making anything better. Right. I didn't say fix. I says, how can we make the process, that process of product realization become more robust? All right. So quality really seeps into every pore in the shop. Uh, you show me a place that isn't paying attention to quality and I'll show you the root cause for the next customer complaint. I've heard people say, none of our members, of course, but people say that the only reason for quality is because the customer demands it. So those people haven't been part of the buy-in. They're not buying into it. They're doing it because they were told they had to. You know, I, I, could, I could take an opposite land 1984 Orwellian real speak approach that they're right. The customer does demand it. <laughs> the reason they need to buy into it is because the customer will get the quality they demand, and it may not be from them. Aha. You're so, right. So I, I always go back to Drucker. The customer demand is the thing, and that means it is the thing. Right. <laughs> right? So, yes, we need quality. Now, the customer has options. You don't want to do this extra expense in your mind? That's fine. You know, 
Customers not limited to you as a supplier. So, okay, it, where are we at this point from building it from scratch? Well, now we've got product, we've mapped our processes, Okay. Right? So now, now that we, now that we know everything in our world of product realization, uh-huh. now we want to know just how do we perform? So we're going to qualify our tools. We're going to qualify our processes. This is where the SPC and capability studies engage repeatability and reproducibility come in because now we want to see what are we capable of. We accept prints. There's tolerances and, you know, somebody thumps once for yes and we said we could do it. But do we really know our capability? I mean, statistical confidence that we can hold plus nothing minus two tens. <laughs> so so that the uh, salespeople aren't saying, oh, yeah, I'm sure we could do that. Uh, absolutely. They'll know. Absolutely. I, I want a salesperson to spend a week to engage R&Rs and tolerances and calculating CPKs, and then we'll come back with, with uh, orders that are... They fit. They fit. They fit. And customers that understand if, yes, we can give you that plus, or mi- plus nothing minus two-tenths, and here's the cost of the additional processing to statistically assure you with, you know, statistical proof mm-hmm. at three sigma, four sigma, five sigma, whatever, that, that you will get exactly the tolerance you've asked for. So there, we can do it. There's a cost. And that's what's important. That's why we want to qualify our processes, qualify our tools. And uh, when we do that, if we can simplify the work, uh, map our process, eliminate redundant steps, stop moving stuff extra, you know, uh, like the Toyota 8 ways, right? Mm-hmm. There you go. Kind of bummed. I thought, you know, qualifying your tools meant we get to go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, in some cases we may. If we've got to hold that plus nothing minus two, we may need... Some precision grinder or something, right? All right. Well, then there's hope for shopping. There is hope for shopping. (laughs) Good. All right. So what's next? We've identified what we want to do. We've mapped our product realization process. We've qualified our tools. Guess what? Now we got to document it. Oh, that makes sense. Right? Right. We're going to document it. Get out. Get out your favorite pen, boys and girls, mm-hmm. because we got some writing to do. And by documenting it, we don't we 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 create a track. We don't get off track. We don't start adding things and things, and pretty soon it, the system isn't a system. It's just a collection of stuff. So we want to have a discipline to our documentation, and that, that discipline. Is, is going to be really, we're only going to document what it is we do. Mm-hmm. We're only going to do what we document. And then we're going to audit to make sure that we've done both of those right. That makes sense. Well, and, and you need that because when an audit comes through, you got to be able, you got to have traceability, right? R- right, right. Plan, do, study, act. We just, <laughs> we just laid it out, right? Yes. Here's... Here's what we do. Here's our process to, 
to do it? Here's our documentation. Are we doing exactly? There you go. Okay. So is there training involved in any of this? Well, only if we want our system to actually work. Okay. So right now we've <laughs> created a wonderful system in our minds, yes. in our hearts, and on paper. Now we've got to get everybody aligned with, with what we've documented, what we've created, what we said we intend to do. Oh, so I thought you were going to tell me we get to go shopping in this stuff. No shopping. <laughs> no shopping. Darn it. No shopping. Uh, train and review. And um, to me, if you've done your documentation right, you've got work instructions, you've got reference material, it's real clear who does what, when, who does what, how, and we don't really worry about why, we just what, when, how, and obviously who. And, and the training then actually improves our quality even more like we had our discussion a few weeks ago. Uh, we improve the training, we standardize, and standardize minimizes variation, and so there's less opportunity for nonconformances. So training's really the key at this point. This is, this is the blocking and tackling. This is the contact patch on the tire on the pavement. This is where it happened. We got to train it. And so everybody's doing the work to the standard the same way. Okay, so now everyone's trained and you've reviewed it. Then what happens? Would you like to go shopping for an auditor? Ooh, <laughs> that's not what I was talking about when well, I was talking about shopping. Okay, so you you got to be audit. You're talking about external audits. Well, at this an point? external audit, but it, this this is the point now to audit. What what have we done? Okay. What have we done? So let's do it internally. Let's do a management review. Let's do a review at each level of the organization, and when everybody's confident that we've documented what we do. We're doing what we said we're doing, and we're doing what we documented. Then it's time to consider looking at the whole system and getting an external audit opinion that we are, in fact, following our in intentions and the standard that we've chosen. You know, audit has always had a, a negative connotation to me because, you know, you grow up hearing IRS audit and people are going to show up at your door and send you to jail or whatnot. But an audit's actually a good thing because then you can review it and you can see where things can be improved upon. Absolutely. I, an audit is feedback. And in my experience, because I work with some great quality people, not because I did, but because I work with some great quality people, we got positive feedback. Yes, we got opportunities to improve, but we didn't get nonconformances because we did our own internal audits. We followed our system. We only documented those things we did. We didn't allow any extraneous stuff get in there. We kept it simple and stuck to our stuck stayed on track. So at what point do you um, try to get the standard? I don't know. Do you apply for that? Do you how does that work? Yeah, so at, at this point, once you've looked at you know customer feedback, looked at everything, now it's it's time to show an outside registrar. So maybe the outside auditor you brought in, you, you brought them in just for a, a quick, you know, quick 
audit and inspection of your thing and then they could tell you yeah you're you're ready or not or they could say here's where you need improvement so you can do that but now it's time to go and find your real real your forever registrar <laughs> your forever home right okay so let's say we we've got it we we've we've got the standard but it doesn't stop there right continuous improvement kicks into gear it's like a constant cycle right it is a constant cycle plan do study adjust right Mm -hmm. so our customers we have some of the best customers in the world and you know quite frankly some of them are real tyrants and I remember one I had that says that he gets a hundred percent on time and zero defects from his ordinary suppliers ordinary ordinary suppliers so how do you do better than ordinary if 100% on time and zero defects is the ordinary standard? Wow. And the answer is yeah. by continuous improvement. Ah. If I can improve my process capability, if I can reduce my tolerance that, that I'm actually holding, not what he's given me, but actually holding, it will be more uniform in assembly. It will perform more repeatably in whatever function he has it. They have it. So there's a lot of opportunities for continuous improvement. I know you've heard me say quality is the absence of waste. Yes. There's plenty of waste to be found (laughs) and eliminated. So that's the continuous improvement journey. Okay. So if you had to give like five or six sort of milestones for this whole setup starting from scratch? What, what would they be? Well, the first one is determine your commitment to quality. If you're doing this for window dressing, if this is something you do because the marketing folks said you need, need to have this sticker in the lobby, forget about it. Mm. You re- this needs to be a genuine commitment to serve your customers best. That's number one. Okay. Okay. Number two, get your employees and everybody else on board. Because just because you have that commitment doesn't mean that the folks that have to move the totes have that same commitment. So communicate with employees. Create a culture that is aligned with this idea of we are going to have a product realization system that is quality and can be relied upon by the customers who demand our products. I'm glad you said culture because it really is. It's not a mention it one or two times. It's got to be part of the company culture. It's it's culture. And the first time you make a decision that goes against quality because it's cheaper, it's more expedient, Mm -hmm. every eye in your shop will see it. You will be judged. You will be judged. You will be judged. There's no PPE to keep you from being judged. <laughs> so, so it is culture, and it's culture because you've brought your, your whole team in. So the third point happens to be about quality culture. And I've got a few ideas about quality culture. So I, I like to keep it simple, culture. Yeah. I want, I want a one-sentence shall statement, or this is how it's done, not in the first, and, then, and not some long narrative, you know, like mm. Charles Dickens wrote your manual. 
We're not looking for complexity. We're looking for clarity. So simplicity, uh, automation, uh, everybody thinks, you know, because of SPC that the average is important. The average just tells you where you're located in relation to the two ends of the tolerance. Mm. The standard deviation is what really determines your capability. And I want real high CPKs. That means I want real small standard deviations. That means I want very high precision gauging because that's how I deliver quality that's delightful because <laughs> I'm only using a small part of the tolerance they gave me. Gotcha. Okay. All right. You know what? I got to ask a question. What's a CPK? A CPK is the process capability. It's your capability, what you can hold statistically, divided by the total tolerance. Okay. Okay. And so I want, if I'm just capable of hitting the tolerance, my CPK will be one. Here's my capability. Here's the tolerance. I'm one. And I, if I'm centered. Now, I could be not centered, <laughs> And then I've got some of my production, think of my production as a normal curve. Some of it's outside the tolerance. Oh. oh right. Okay. So that's why I want a smaller standard deviation because now if I've got six of them and now I've got one standard deviation of wiggle room and I'm centered, I've got some safety, right? Right. So then 1.00, 1.33, and then what I'm really looking for is 1.66 or better. And that means I've got plenty of room. I don't even have to pay. I just have to make sure that I'm, I'm, I, I'm using the right mic. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Thank you. That's, what I, that's how I would explain it. All right. Any others you want to share? Uh, well, we talked about uh, culture and, and capabilities, um, map the process. Yep. And then when we're preparing our, our documentation, which is really the last thing before that, we really want to be sure we're doing only the minimum required. Who is doing? What are they doing? How are they doing? Don't care about why. It's the only time. Don't care about why. <laughs> I always care about why, but I get it. It does not belong it's here. It's a standard work instruction. Right. It's, it's a reference. It's a merging order. It, that's right. It's, it's <laughs> not cause for reflection or speculative thought. <laughs> All right. So are, are, is there anything else? Or, I mean, that it's, I know we're saying this like, blah, 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 blah. This is a, a big process. This is a, a big undertaking. It, it's a big undertaking. But again, it's not something that should intimidate you either. If you document what you, what you do, mm -hmm. do what you document, why couldn't you be held accountable for that? I agree. And by the way, it makes problem solving so much easier if everybody's supposed to do it using the red screwdriver on the blue, you know, mm -hmm. thing. And we find out that somebody on one, one line is using the green screwdriver. Guess what? That's why that little head is all stripped out. It, I get it. it. It does. It helps with problem solving. More, it's, you're it's more efficient. Standardization. I, I right. love it, and and that's 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 really the whole point. It's a form formal means of standardizing our process for product realization. Nice. That wraps up today's podcast 
on starting a quality system from scratch. Thank you for joining us. And Carly, thank you for asking the great questions. Oh, well, you know, it's my pleasure. You're great at explaining the answers. Well, this can get, this can get to be in the weeds a bit. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You don't want to miss one. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can also search for articles, webinars, other podcasts, and more resources. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to see the myriad of other benefits. And why is a PMPA membership so important, Miles? Because Because we we are are better better together. together. That means smaller standard deviation. (laughs) Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision, Monday with Miles.